Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by Lines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander back with Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at five games here on Tuesday night after a day where Nate and I made some separate video picks for you going pretty much undefeated all across the board, including those player props. We've also got another game video and player props for you today as well. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. Also head to thelines.com. You can check out all the great written content we have up there for you guys and use that odds finder tool that we have to make sure you're getting the best odds available to you guys from all those U.S. sports books this season. Nate, let's get into this five game slate and then talk about the game we're talking about here a would-be marquee matchup the Celtics and Bucks just not sure how many Celtics we're going to be seeing in this one well it sounds like they definitely won't have Tatum Brown and Marcus Smart so that's a that's a big hit and the spreads climb from plus four to plus nine in spots uh total is uh at 225 here in Milwaukee the Magic are plus seven at Toronto. Uh, Kings, the other game we break down, plus two and a half at Phoenix with a 233 total there. Warriors are on a back-to-back, plus eight and a half now at the Clippers. And then the Wizards, both teams on a back-to-back here, plus three and a half at Portland, 235 total. Uh, I don't think you can set a high enough total for Portland right now. They have no mm-hmm. D. Uh, but we are talking Celtics Bucks here and... I mean, this is kind of a, it's not like an aggressive stars out, bets out, bets up situation, but it is still in my mind, the Celtics being undervalued, a little disrespected without Tatum. I I mean, who is, don't get me wrong, a a verifiable MVP candidate and and a really a tough, a tough uh, loss here in this Bucks matchup. Like he's been particularly great against the Bucks. Like it'd be one thing if it was Tatum out against, I I don't know, the, the Warriors I mean, this is the one team that comes to mind. It's like teams he struggles against Miami sometimes. Uh, But, you know, he's really the key here in terms of their offense coming along against the Bucs in recent matchups. At the same time, uh, I just think that there's enough of a supporting cast here that will step up uh, the, uh, the other others, if you will. Like Boston's third string team is pretty damn good still. Like guys like Pritchard, Hauser. Uh, now you add Mike Muscala to that mix. The guys that just were buried, usually buried on the depth chart, but they've been thrust into spot start. And we saw Hauser come up clutch and basically beat the Sixers. Uh, you know, Pritchard when he, when he plays and, and Derek White, what he's able to do with expanded usage. They will get Brogdon back in here. Um, and Brogdon, you know, he's only a couple of years removed from being a, a verifiable 1A option on the Pacers, right? And on a solid Pacers team, he, he can handle the load as well. Big key is, I mean, is Rob Williams going to play? Uh, as always, you know that that's that's vital against a Bucks team that get is is getting much better scoring in the paint, but still, so surprisingly, three point heavy during this ten game win streak. Forty one and a half three point attempts per game, hitting a, a third of those, playing at a one hundred two pace, which is down uh, from recently from from how it started there in that streak, but. You know, under in five of their last six, still playing at that pace. Um, but the games are averaging 228, and they're limiting the three-point attempts and makes from other teams. But Boston, just I, I think, is going to find a way to counter that. They're, they're going to get their three-point looks off. They have hit a lot against Milwaukee. I mean, credit Tatum for bending the defense in some ways in those. But uh, I think Joe Mazzulla is doing a great job. I mean, their game's... And when these teams get together, there just tend to be a lot of points, right? And Milwaukee also tends to not cover uh, 
it, it's really a trend not just against the Celtics, but against a lot of teams the last two seasons when they're when they have this kind of ten point spread. Where you know I shy away from it for sure, taking Milwaukee. Like I would, I I wouldn't be aggressive betting the Celtics at plus nine, but I would definitely lean that way. I mean this, the the. Um, the Bucks have won seven of their last eight home games against the Celtics, but they failed to cover nine of their last 10 at home. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm leaning here towards Celtics covering and it going over in any fashion you want. You know, I think even if Milwaukee runs away with it, they're scoring about 120 at home. I don't think the Celtics are getting held below 100, even with their their third stringers, the, the way I talked about them. And, and the pace of play at 102 or better, I, I think we're definitely looking at at least, you know, a 230-ish uh, total here. So I think the over is probably my first look. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a better bet at this point than, than you know, a, a nine-point spread. But I, I think what's interesting, you know, we were going to – full transparency, like, we were going to talk about this game. Um, you know, when I started looking at it late last night on the West Coast and, and everybody's out or doubtful for the Celtics, it was still at four. So I hit it, by the way, uh, and would recommend that you're staying on top of early lines for that exact reason. If you're able to look at an injury report and see doubtful for their best player and out for their – second best player and right and out for one of their top defenders questionable for the couple others I, I think with the way that this Bucks team's won 10 in a row you still got to feel good about them at home in a situation where yes they at least beat um the Celtics pretty consistently in these regular season matchups like this um and and you know Giannis goes off Tatum usually goes off and we can expect somewhere around like a 128 122 type of game um but we, it's just it's just not the same scenario now and and at minus four it's a wonderful bet at minus nine you know I think what's interesting that I, I was I was going to say here is there's two ways that this could go. And I think that the game theories line up for either, um, you know, the Bucks to blow them out and this game to probably go over because they're going to get the, you know, one, they're going to get the 125 themselves and just need 100 points from the, the Celtics. Or this is going to be a lot closer, but I still think it goes over the 224 because now you're talking about a game in the teens, maybe like 117, 114, 120, 118, something like that. But it's still close enough that um, the Bucks are getting their points, I think, is what, is what we feel good about in this one. I mean, the, the way that this gets slowed down is, you know, the, that the Celtics would really need to have a type of game without Tatum and, and, and Brown on the floor where they feel really good about their half court offense uh, and they're cutting and moving and they're sort of a, a positionless basketball. And they, but it's just that's not their team they're not just like a big three and d team the, the, the way that they would love to play is have rob will out there so that they can at least press up on those milwaukee shooters um enough to also have somebody back there for when Giannis starts tra- charging towards the basket obviously they also really need grant williams for that reason exactly because he's and he's also questionable so i think if he's not playing uh it's probably if one or both of them are not playing it's, it's going to be really tough for them to stop what milwaukee's doing even if they try to slow that pace down which milwaukee is not going to let them do i think we we know that, right? The, the last 10 with the 102 pace and the threes in transition, 14 made threes on like 38 attempts from deep uh, during that time. They're, they're chucking the ball a lot, still scoring. Yeah, the, the 33%, but they're getting a ton of those up because of the fact that they want to play fast. They, they're they getting a ton of defensive rebounds, the best defensive rebounding team in the last 10, which before, you know, yeah, uh, when 
Westbrook or Giannis were out at one point this season. Um, they were struggling to rebound for for a while, and, and they they've come back to be the best defensive rebounding team in the league, limiting three pointers a lot better. But you know the the Celtics are going to get them up tonight. Like you're saying, you look at who the backup cast is here uh, and what they do when Tatum's not on the floor, especially, and and it's going to be obviously a lot of Malcolm Brogdon and, and, and Derek White back there. But I really think that's where you need great guys like Grant Williams um, and, and Rob Williams to be able to provide something other than just shooting. Because now you're talking about Hauser, Pritchard, Cornette, uh, Muscala, right? Like, sure, Cornette's doing fine down low, but he's not going to be a rim protector uh, the way that you would need once Giannis is in there. They're just going to need all the big bodies they can get uh, to be able to hang in this one, is, is my opinion. So if you don't see Grant Williams or Rob Will out there, I kind of still feel good about the nine for them at that point. I know it seems like stars out bets up, but they're going to need a ton of three-pointers in this one to be able to hang, I think, uh, and also keep them off the glass where, you know, the, the Bucks have been getting second-chance points in their last 10 to the tune of the third best. Um, and that's just going to be a huge problem, man, if, if, if they're not able to, to stop the boards and stop Giannis barreling to the basket. Well, this is eerily similar to game 81 last year uh, where the, where Tatum sat for rest and, and they played the Bucks and they were, they were killing the Celtics. Like, how are you going to, you know, we need to play for seeding here. How are you just going to like punt this game against the Bucks? And they hung though. 127-121, the Bucks won. Granted, smart. And Brown did a lot of the the heavy lifting on offense, but Hauser and Pritchard were great off the bench. Uh, Daniel Tice chips in for 22, so it's not like you know the the others that they have now in the front court can't contribute. And the Celtics hit 21 threes um, at 42, percent which maybe you think is an outlier, but I mean to me it shows the sophistication of the scheme to be able to get shots without you know necessarily needing Tatum to bend a, a defense. <clears throat> He's only missed three games this year, Tatum. The first one against Washington did go hella over. Again, 51 bench, bench points from the Celtics. That's that's exactly what I'm looking at here. Hauser and Pritchard leading the way. Uh, and then the other two did go under, were very choppy, but those are against Orlando and Toronto, two teams that aren't going to push the pace the way Milwaukee is at all and aren't going to do their part of the scoring the way Milwaukee is during this 10-game win streak where they're just, you know, chalk it up, 119. Uh, they're probably scoring that. So I just trust the Celtics to come along enough to get uh, at least, you know, six or seven more points there over a hundred to get, to get that total. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the total is, is the play once this gets up to it's, it's really, really, uh, you know, high spread here for, for the bucks, but I would still consider uh, a, a money line parlay for them at the very least, if you did feel good enough about them pulling, or if you feel good enough about the total, to be honest, cause I feel good enough about them pulling out this W. Um, and I just, yeah, I think with, with and without Tatum this season, even if you look at the on off court numbers, I think that's crucial where they go from a 118 offensive rating with him on the floor to that 107 offensive rating with him off the floor. And that includes when JB's out there uh, and Marcus smart when they're available. So, you know, it does get a little bit stagnant this season. It seems when when Tatum's not on the floor to take some of that attention for so that they can get those open threes. Um, but I'm, I'm with you either way. I think they're going to get enough ball movement and enough uh, three pointers up to be able to hang with a with the Bucks, who will help will do more than their part to get this thing over two twenty four and a half. So, uh, but Suns and Kings here, and the Suns they don't have KD yet, but they do have a shot in the arm, and, and I mean they have book book back at least a little bit. It's in, it's good. The biggest thing is going to be like, what's his minutes limit at this point? He's played two games of the last five and been on what looks like a strict 26 minute count. Um, but they haven't played since February 10th. So maybe at this point he's up to 30 minutes. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he's been a killer against the Kings in his last four 31 points per game, uh, a plus 43 shooting 51% from the field and the Suns won 
uh, the last three meetings, all of them in Sacramento. So now they're at home. Whether Book's a part-time player or not, I, I do think that they have the advantage here uh, because they they've kind of just you know sparked themselves defensively and 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 from a competitive standpoint. I mean, they're in that funk for months. Um, and then they get this huge trade and now they're suddenly a championship contender. And I think that kind of cures a lot of ales. So in, in this five game road trip, since getting smacked by Atlanta at home, uh, start the month, they are number one in terms of opponents, field goal shooting, number three, limiting points off turnovers, um, allowing just one Oh five points per game with a one Oh seven defensive rating. And that's, you know, really impressive in certain margins at home that you need to stop the Kings, including the fast break points, the points off turnovers. They're number six in defensive efficiency at overall at home. And the Kings, we look at, I mean, the high scoring team in the NBA, but they score eight and a half fewer on the road. They shoot six percentage points worse from three on the road. They're 18 and nine to the under on the road. Um, the reason I'm worried about just saying, let's hit the under is that the Kings defense has collapsed in their last five two of them against Dallas in, in overtime there, but they're allowing 127. They're 28th in opponent's field goal percentage, dead last in three-point percentage. Uh, but they're a bad team to guarding the mid-range all year and, and for several years, and that's why Booker has cooked them. Uh, what they do do well is limit fast break points, and that doesn't matter if the Suns slow it down and, and play in the half court, especially with Chris Paul. Another reason to kind of lean under here uh, that they do play slower and that, you know, if book isn't going to be a full-time player, you don't have to look at his splits on off as much as you do like CP three running the show where they play four possessions slower. They score six points per game fewer this year. Uh, it, it all points to, you know, kind of that, that, that knockdown drag out game that the Suns are much more likely to win with those two guys available than the Kings are. The Kings are, would much rather play an up and down game which they do in Sacramento all the time, but they just have a hard time getting that, that kind of pace going on the road. Uh, and, and that's why they've struggled on the road to win, to go over. Uh, and they've actually struggled with extra rest, which they have here four and 13 straight up three, and nine against the spread on two to three days rest and, and not, not a good record as road dogs as well. So sons, I, I lean on uh, covering just two and a half points. Yeah. I think we, you rely on what you know right now. Um, for, for this one, I mean, Sacramento as a way dogs, um, not the worst record against the spread, you know, uh, 10, eight and six when they're uh, away from home as underdogs against the spread, failing to cover by five points uh, or so. Well, they're, they're, they're losing by about five points a game in those situations. I mean, as the away team in general, we know that they've been, you know, struggling all season as well. Um, decent against the spread, though. That's the thing is like they, they, they hang close in the games where they're not necessarily uh, favored or expected to, to do much, but they, they don't necessarily do that by scoring uh, a ton of points. You know, what they've been doing on the road um, and it's basically, I would say their last roughly like seven, six, seven road games since basically the end of January they had a couple uh the back-to-backs against mini and then the the like you know after that they were on the what like seven game road trip um and, and so they you know 
in that time frame, they, they won a few. They played the Rockets twice, the Timberwolves twice, the Mavericks twice. So it was like a weird thing to, to kind of look at because it was a bunch of those uh, away and aways or home and homes for them. And in that time frame, though, you look at kind of like what they were doing, um, you know, throughout the game. Interestingly, they have a really good fourth quarter uh, net rating during that time um, where they went basically four and three uh, on the road in that time frame. But like I said, just playing much worse teams and teams that play a little bit more similarly to them in their style of play like the Pacers if you call them, want to call the Rockets a style of play uh, and then the Spurs right like teams that like to open it up and just keep the ball moving up and down the court pretty fast because they don't have much else going for them in terms of um, you know offensive uh, let's say efficiency which is not the Kings but it's just a more similar up and down style that I think that they were you know sort of the almost the, the better team in those situations a lot and this isn't the case here and I think you know the way that you, you, you talked about how Phoenix has been playing I'm really just looking at their last two right now and, and even though you know they're not playing the best comp in the last two obviously the the Hawks have been giving them fits throughout the season at this point in the last two that they've played them um you said it they're basically what like seven and zero against teams not named Atlanta Hawks right now in their last like nine games um but uh, you know in in terms of the the offense and the defense that they've been playing in that time frame it's it's been getting contributions from guys like Josh Okoji and and uh, and DeAndre Ayton uh during that time frame both are of whom are, are averaging over 20 points uh, a game during that time and I, I think you can expect with Booker back in the lineup for things to just sort of continue along that way I mean none of them are getting in his way with what they're doing and, and I think he's just going to come in and be the compliment that they need like you said you, you kind of briefly mentioned he crushes this Kings team and just as importantly I think you know for the offense you talk about how much better it is with him on versus off and seven points better per game and and, and you know in, in terms of a per 100 possessions as well but CB3 being on the floor also is a big boost for him and a, and a big boost for his for, for CP3's efficiencies as well I mean he scores way more points and gets a few fewer assists once books not out there as you might expect um, but the way that you know he the the offensive individual uh, offensive rating that he has when book is out there is about four points better per 100 uh, because of the fact that he's able to just kind of keep things flowing he has that extra threat always that he can rely on to, to sort of bail bail him out no matter what situation the offense is in with booker getting his shot up over every everybody so the the, the sort of pace of play i do expect it to be a little bit chunkier the the um kings have been uh, you know, on the road since that time frame that I was talking about in their last roughly eight on the road. Um, they're actually playing at a pace that's down to like 10th fastest or whatever. Or I'm sorry, 15th or so. It's like 98 at this point or 99. So it's not even like they're playing at that normal 102 that they're playing with when they're at home at that uh, in Sacramento. So I think the under is a good play because I think Phoenix is going to sort of dominate the style of play. They're going to dominate, um, you know, controlling the tempo and the ball itself. In, in my opinion, I know Sac wants to get up and down and do their thing that way rather than set up in the half court and that's exactly where Phoenix can continue to stop you uh, as, as they've been limiting fast break points like you said and, and, and limiting transition uh, offense in general so not not a, a ton of ways that I find Sack is gonna be able to score tonight and I think Phoenix is gonna be able to control this thing yeah and just some numbers to support this matchup the Kings are two and five in their last seven against the Suns and those wins one was the final game of last season where the Suns had already locked up everything the other was game four uh, which they started one and three, if you guys remember, and then they just rattled off like 25 out of their next 28 wins and just completely went off. Uh, and the, the Kings, even when they're at home and they're scoring more, the games have averaged 234 uh, versus 226, their last three in Phoenix with a pace five possessions slower. Mm. Uh, and even in those home games where they've scored, I mean, they have a 108 offensive rating, just very poor efficiency and sort of depending on 
unsustainable 42% three-point shooting, which as we mentioned, is just far, far worse on the road. And Malik Monk is also out. So that takes away another sniper for them. I just don't think, yeah, that they're going to be able to score enough. And whatever the numbers are in wins and losses for the Kings, I'm sure they have to score a lot more in wins. They're just not a very good defensive team, uh, especially down low and in the mid-range where the Suns are going to do their work. Yeah, and actually also, especially against point guards, which is kind of why I, I like Chris Paul a little bit in our player props. Um, not even a little bit. I like Chris Paul in our player props um, because I do think that the shot in the arm that you talked about with KD sitting there waiting in the wing, um, I, I think that that gives them a, a much more, uh, let's just say Chris Paul's motivation is going to be high. I think he sees the championship window now, uh, and I think he has obviously good reason to, to believe that this is, if not their last opportunity, maybe their second to last, uh, and they need to get things going right now. And I think we're, we're going to see that from him uh, as he dominates the uh, the Kings tonight. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's jump into your first play up prop. We got poor Zingus here for the Wizards. Yeah, I mean, I'm targeting the Blazers defense at every opportunity here, um, and they're on a back-to-back. So is the Zinger, but actually he's been elite on back-to-backs this year, eight times, 28.5 points, eight rebounds, three and a half assists, with his highest usage rate, 30%, and his best efficiency, 132 offensive rating. Um, you know, in his last six, he's averaging nearly 30 a game, along with eight rebounds, about three assists. And that includes 32 points on nine for 15 shooting, 12 free throw attempts against this Blazers team that that still has no Nurkic. So Drew Eubanks started on him and only played 18 minutes, was a minus 11. Uh, there's just no resistance down low. Portland, uh, they're, they're, all their defenders are either traded or injured right now. Uh, yeah. And they're also on a back-to-back here. They have the worst defensive rating in the league the last 16 games. It's up to 128 in their last nine. So uh, there's a reason that you're getting really poor odds on just the points for Porzingis. 24 and a half is like minus 125. Maybe you want to just juke that up one, say he'll get 26, uh, or look for player performance doubles and, and, and a potential win here. Um but I mean, I think you can probably bundle the the points, rebounds, thirty four and a half, or go thirty six and a half PRA. I think there will be a few more rebounds available with Portland on a back to back. Their offense is usually not as good, and <clears throat> I mean they they just searching for answers right now. Um, as they kind of they did manage to beat the Lakers last night, but I, I just don't understand the moves that the the GM made at this point uh, and how that's supposed to make them competitive down the stretch. Uh, it's it's not uh, you you don't you don't trade Josh Hart like that and, and expect to be still as good 
at defense for what you, you're getting back. Um, Jeremy Grant being out is is definitely huge for them and stopping a ton of things down low. Now I think he's going to be playing. I mean, he has to be playing bigger, especially with Nurk out. Um, and he would have been very helpful in limiting uh, what AD did last night, getting 20 rebounds uh, against this team in Eubanks. I think you can probably expect the Zinger uh, and you know some combination of Daniel Gafford, especially with Kuz still out, getting you know with the rebounds he normally gobbles up. There's going to be plenty out there, like you said, with Portland Trailblazers uh, and playing no defense. Um, playing at a fast pace, playing Dame ball. Uh, so just, you know, going bananas on offense as much as they can and, and hoping that they outscore the other team. And I, I think Zinger's prime for, for the ability to, to take advantage of them right now. So I'm with that. Um, I'm going to move on to a guy who I think uh, his prop is going to get higher as this season continues to get towards the end of it, as Terrence Mann is going to be featured a lot more in this Clippers offense. Nine and a half points still, so get it while you can. Minus 115 on FanDuel. I think there's actually a little bit better someplace like minus 110, but it's basically around there. Um, you can also take the 13 and a half points and rebounds combined for Mann tonight against a Golden <clears> State <throat> Warriors team that I think you can, can expect to continue to hemorrhage points the way they did to those Wizards last night. They did score 136, but gave up the 125. Um, probably a bit more of that tonight. Uh, Terrence Mann in his last five alone, uh, 12 and a half points per game, five boards, and that's in 28 minutes. Uh, he's been inserted to the lineup actually three games ago after, uh, you know, we, we've probably expected guys like R. Jackson, J. Wall, or at least the Clippers did, expected them to be traded, started putting Mann into the starting lineup right before they got traded. Um, and so, you know, that was about three or four games ago. Now that they're just not even around in terms of Jackson and, and John Wall to take any of his time and, and usage in the six games without Reggie Jackson this season. Uh, Terrence Mann's gotten 32 minutes a game, 11 points and five in, uh, boards as well as three assists in that time frame. So I, I do think there's the possibility for maybe even a blowout tonight against this Warriors team where you can expect Mann to continue to be in there as the young guy who I think they want to continue to get run, even if this game turns into a blowout. Um, and the Dubs, you know, allowing 36 points per game, good for last over the, their last seven, two opposing point guards on the season. They're still like bottom three in terms of allowing the most points to them uh, and a bunch of assists. And they're on no rest where they are averaging uh, an 118.6 defensive rating in those games on no rest this season, giving up a bet more than 118 points uh, per game as well in that time frame. So I think it's a good opportunity for the, the Clips to score a lot. I think Terrence man's going to be a big part of that even if there's sort of like some weird downtime where maybe Kawhi and Paul George aren't needed on the floor I think you still get Terrence Mann out there and give him that run yeah it's a good call because Kawhi's props only have 22 points so I mean books are kind of agreeing with you that this is going to be the other guys stepping up and I like that you're just calling him the point guard because the Clippers apparently have no point guard now and they're just going to play positionless freewheeling basketball which is you know, exactly the type of style that, that you play against the Warriors that you would expect Terrence Mann to get a lot of minutes tonight with the Warriors playing their small ball, freewheeling yep. guys. You know, you never know who's going to be out for them on a back-to-back. -back. So, yep. yeah, just think follow the minutes there and the and the points and rebounds will definitely come for Mann. Uh, one of the best rebounding guards exactly. out there. Yep. Yeah. Um, our under here is Scotty Barnes, 16 and a half points. Again, not the best odds. Minus 125 is the best I found it. You could try to bundle the, the points, rebounds, and assists, but I'm kind of scared of the peripherals uh, just because he gets so many minutes right now. With OG out, he's playing at least 37 minutes per game on the season. His last eight, 38 minutes per game, 12 and a half rebounds, assists, but only 15 points. And the key thing here is in the last three, Pascal Siakam's really started cooking. Uh, 33 points per game, seven rebounds, six assists. I, I don't hate taking his uh, PRA here. If you if you're a little scared of the under here, because I think Barnes will be close, but 
Barnes usage rate is down to just 15.8%, and that's with OG out. Scoring 14 points per game. Um, he actually scores fewer when Precious Chua sits, for what that's worth. <laughs> Precious is questionable as well. Gary Trent is questionable. But more it's just about the matchup against Orlando, which is just a tough front court team that doesn't really give up much to, you know, big bodied guys. They're like, they're not going to get bullied down there. And in three against Orlando this season, Barnes averaging just 11 points per game, only two assists in 35 minutes as well. He had a good game the first time out, but the last two have been rough. He's a cumulative minus 40. He only had 11 points in 41 minutes the last time and a six, six, two line the previous one. So that's why you're getting tough odds on the under here. Cause yeah. he struggled so badly. Uh, but I just don't think he's going to be looking to score that often. He is kind of that point forward for them. Uh, so less involved as a scorer, especially when Siakam's cooking. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, let me take this moment to give you your, sh- your your flowers on last night. One of the more impressive props you picked was over on Vucevic rebounds, but under on his points. Uh, so I feel like you really – that was – Beautiful. Uh, and I feel like we're talking about a similar scenario here with Scotty, um, Scotty Barnes here, where maybe he can get the peripherals a bit more in a game that might be a little bit choppier, maybe a few boards available on some missed shots, but um, that the points just not, not feeling good about him getting those. And I, I think I would stick with you, even if, even though there, there are the, the really crappy odds on it, it, it does feel like a really safe bet. So um, I'm going to finish things off with, as I mentioned, CP three going over for, for the, uh, the old floor captain, if you will, um, against this Kings team. And that's really what this a lot of this is about. And I think, like we said, a shot in the arm for him. I'm going points and assists. When Booker's in there, he gets a few more assists, a few less points, um, which you would expect. So I kind of just want to co- combine them both here, as I think the, the assists will be coming in droves. The last five that he's played with Book, uh, 15 and a half points a game, plus the 11 and a half assists in 35 minutes. Um, and like I said, I think he's going to be out there trying to make sure they get a W tonight uh, as they're trying to really make a run down the stretch here now that they know they're, they're close to, if not title favorites. Um, this is a, a Sacramento defense that is pretty much non-existent uh, in their last five, especially 125 defensive rating in that time, allowing the 52% from deep, or excuse me, 52% from the field, which is good for third worst, uh, and 43% from deep, which is good for last. Uh, that's why I also like the assists for, for CP3, diming to some of those three-point shooters now. Um, allowing the second most points per game to point guards, allowing the 10th most assists per game to point guards, are the uh, the Sacramento defense, and they're allowing the six most assists overall in their last roughly uh, five games, as I mentioned. So it's just it's just a great opportunity uh, for for the a Kings team that hemorrhages points and assists to, to point guards and in general for CP3 to take advantage of that tonight with Book out there as well. Yeah, well, I'm just going to use the odds finder tool and use your logic to get our viewers some better juice here because if you said assists like 10 times, <laughs> 10 assists is plus 108 at FanDuel. A double-double is. is plus 130 or it plus is. 135 at DraftKings. So if he if you think he's getting 10 dimes and he's probably going to score 10 points, I'm just going to erase the points scored. In my mind, uh, CP3 can easily go under 15 points, and then sure. why not just go with him orchestrating everything and getting books set up to maybe start cooking after he's had a few days off here. Thank you, Nate. That is the play here. You're 100% right. And I'm glad that we have that odds fighter tool to be able to tell us that because I am talking about a ton of assists. And I don't know why I'm trying to throw the points in there so much, except for that. Like I said, Sacramento just gives them up in droves. But why, why uh, you know, make yourself crazy needing CP3 to score when you, you can expect him to dime and still get plus odds on that? It's a very good but call. But to be fair, it should be a high scoring fourth quarter. And he is clutch. And Book might not be ready to play the whole fourth quarter. So I think you got some points there. Nah, yeah, you're just trying to save my feelings. You're right. We should get the plus money on this one for sure. 
And that's all the time we have for you in this one. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Hope we have another undefeated night for you guys tonight like we did to kick off the week last night. And until we see you next, happy betting. Oh, 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 oh,